You are listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Presbyterian Church in Winston-Salem. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church, visit salempresws.org. That's salempresws.org. We believe preaching is best when experienced as part of the larger drama of God's people gathering. Something spiritually unique happens when God's people are together. We meet each Sunday to let the liturgy shape us, to hear preaching, and to take the Lord's Supper. And these acts are more robust when done together. Join us Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. in downtown Winston-Salem at 600 Holly Avenue. Good evening. I'm Rob with the Advent. Um, this is going to be preaching tonight on Matthew 13, 44 through 52. And I'll give you a chance to find that in your Bible. There's some Bibles in the pews or look it up on your phone. Please stand if you're able for greeting of the word. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the word of God for the people of God. All right, good evening. Uh, My name is Ben Milner, Rob said, and glad you're all here, especially if you're visiting with us. Uh, We're always really grateful to have visitors come. We're looking at the Jesus Storybook Bible in this fall, so here it is. There's some up here if you want to get one. An adult got one last week, which I really appreciated. So child or adult, feel free to come get one, even if just for the service. We're looking at the chapter called Treasure Hunt, which is about the kingdom of heaven being like a treasure. And here's Jesus telling parables. Uh, this, this whole chapter is really about parables. And this storybook Bible is the best overview, honestly the best I know, um, just brief overview of the Bible and what it's about. And very simply, uh, what she says is that every story in the Bible whispers his name. That's the subtitle of the book. Um, Every story is about Jesus. And it's all about this thing she calls the secret rescue plan. Uh, The kingdom of heaven really is the secret rescue plan. And the rescue plan is that God made us to spread his creativity and his glory around the earth. But instead of spreading his creativity and glory, we decided to spread our own glory. And so we ended up messing up everything and it became like a toxic waste dump. and we spread out from eden but we didn't we didn't spread blessing we spread we spread curse around the world 
So instead of uh, dominion, which God made us to exercise in his name with, with humility and with all of the glory going to him, we were supposed to spread dominion. Instead, we spread uh, the empire of domination, Satan's empire of domination. And into that uh, empire, God initiates this small resistance movement called the kingdom of God. It started with Abraham. Uh, the Jewish people were the seeds of that. Israel, um, their kings, they're, they were promised a Messiah would come. And that Messiah would fully inaugurate the kingdom of God. They were just the prototype. They were the, they were the seeds of the kingdom. But then Jesus came, the king of kings, the Messiah. And uh, he brought <clears throat> the kingdom. He really started um, this movement that Luke just became a part of, of the kingdom of God, that would resist the empire. And Jesus said that the kingdom of God is so exciting, uh, it is so all-consuming, it's such a glorious adventure that we should give up everything for it. We should be willing to sell it all, uh, to put the kingdom of God at the center of our lives. His very first sermon was, um, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And what I think he meant by that is... um, Rethink your entire life. Rethink everything that you believe in. Uh, change all of your priorities. Put the kingdom of God at the very top of your priorities. Sell it all. You know, scrap all your plans and live for the kingdom of God because it is worth it. It is a treasure. It's hidden. It's hard to see. But you should do everything you can to buy that piece of ground. It looks empty. It looks like there's nothing there. It's invisible. Nobody could say, um, you know, where is the kingdom? Where are you holding it? Where is it in your house? Uh, it's, it's invisible, but it is worth so much that you should give up everything to have it. The kingdom of God. Um, you know, I found a $36 ticket to the Paul McCartney concert this summer. And I was going to change all my plans because I found out I had this ticket. And it was very inexpensive, but the treasure was enormous. One of the best concerts I've ever seen. So um, the treasure is what I look at first is this. Participation in the kingdom of God, this event that is going on in our day right now around us invisibly. That's the first thing, what, what the treasure is. And then number two is the, who is the treasure seeker? Who is the pearl merchant that is really looking for the gold, that it's the pearl? Who is the, who is the treasure hunter? So first the treasure and then the treasure hunter. And Sally Lloyd-Jones begins by saying... Sometimes people couldn't understand the things that Jesus was teaching very well. So he helped them by telling them stories called parables. And again, there he is with all these people sitting around him and he's telling parables. And many of the parables, I would say the vast majority, are are about the kingdom of God. And uh, he is so obsessed, you know, with the kingdom of God. um, You can almost say he's addicted to it. He looks around and everything he sees reminds him of the kingdom of God. Jesus... Um, is like, there's a, that mustard seed right there, um, that yeast and that bread over there. There's a farmer over there, you know, the person sowing those seeds. It's like that, it's like that. A hidden treasure, verse 44, he talks about. Um, a pearl of great price, he talks about in verse 45. A net, you know, he's probably like, see those, those men over there casting that net into the sea? That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like that. So it's like that, that, that. Everything he sees is about the kingdom of God. That is so much on his mind. That's why he came. That's the secret rescue plan. To take us from domination back to dominion. So he's always comparing it to things. He's always telling these little brief stories. I wouldn't even necessarily call it a story. It's not exactly a metaphor. And it's not exactly a story. It's something between. It's like a, like a real quick shot of truth. He's like a story. It's like a poem. He's like a poet from another world. And he comes and he tells us these poems. And he says, 
He wants to enchant our minds with the reality of the kingdom of God, which we might have forgotten this week. Uh, I dare say you probably did forget it this week. And therefore, we have to hear him say again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field in verse 44. And there was treasure all over the ancient Near East, much more than we have today. You know, those guys who go around, uh, or women, who go around the beach with those things looking for, um, for metal, the metal detectors, you know, they, they don't find much, I don't think. I think yeah, they rarely find anything valuable. But back then, if we had those back then, you'd find a lot of stuff in the ancient world. Because, um, and here's a picture of him, you know, digging a, he's digging a ditch. Uh, he comes upon this box. He lifts it out. There's treasure in it. Uh, he buries it again. That was a very common uh, occurrence in the ancient world. Believe it or not, we actually have found in the Qumran scrolls, which were written the same time Jesus lived, that, uh, that a field was kind of like your local bank. That if you had a lot of money and you didn't, there was no bank in town, there was nowhere to put that, you would bury it in a field. So there were these treasure chests, you know, all over the place. And so this person in verse 44 is probably plowing this field. Uh, maybe he's got his, his oxen in front of him. He's, he's got one of those... Uh, Plows and he hits something hard and he, he, he stops the oxen, he digs and he finds this treasure chest. And in his joy, it says in verse 44, he went and he sold everything he had. He's like, that is more valuable than everything I have. And I'm going to sell everything. And looks, he looks crazy to do it. So if you're really pursuing the kingdom of God, people are going to think you're crazy. Why are they giving their money away? Why are they giving that time to that? If you could save all the money you've tied over the course of your life, how much money would you have right now? I mean, if you're if assuming you're giving away 10 plus percent of your money, how much more money would you have if you were, if you were not tithing? This is, it's crazy what we do. Uh, the way that we live our lives, uh, the way that we treat money, sex, power is so different from the world. And he's saying, you're going to look crazy selling this field, but it's worth it. It's more than worth it. Um, there are a lot of great stories about hidden treasures. Uh, one of the great themes in movies is the hidden treasure. Think about Treasure Island. It's all about that. It's all about a hidden treasure. Uh, Goonies was, was, a, was a movie in my day. It's a little bit like Stranger Things. It's a really good movie about kids looking for a hidden treasure. It's a great story of a hidden treasure. There's a lot of good stories about hidden treasures. The, the Pirates of the Caribbean are often about hidden treasures. A lot of pirate stories about hidden treasures. You have Romancing the Stone, um, which was kind of a... A knockoff version of Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it was also a really good movie about hidden treasure, and the excitement is created by the, the treasure at the end of it. You know, the whole excitement of the movie is what is that treasure going to be like? And I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is the greatest of all of the treasure seeking stories because he's looking for the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, what could be a bigger treasure than that? And you're, you're waiting the whole movie to see what is this Ark going to be like? Is it going to destroy all these people with these beams, laser beams coming out? What is it like? And Indiana Jones, uh, he, he sells everything. I mean, he leaves his job at a, at a university. He's dedicated his whole life to, to being a professor of archaeology. He leaves his job. He flies all around the world. Uh, he, loses, he leaves his home. He leaves um, his, his fear of snakes, you know, his biggest fear of all. He, he pushes through his fear of snakes to get to the ark. He, he, he risks his life several times because he is so obsessed about finding the ark. And finding the kingdom of God is like finding the Ark of the Covenant. The Storybook Bible says, uh, I love the way she defines this. She says, uh, being where God is working, being where God is working is more important than anything else in all the world. 
It's worth everything you have to give up. And that's the way she's defining the kingdom of God, which I think is really good. It's where God is working in the world. Where is God working in the world? If you're thinking right now about, okay, well, what is the kingdom that I'm supposed to be sacrificing everything to get? Uh, It's being where God is working around you. And you just think about the things that we love, um, whether, you know, good things, golf. Um, I'm not a big golfer, but I know that people love golf. It's, uh, it's apparently a very pleasurable thing. And at times, to, to give up playing golf at a time, to go and do something for the kingdom of God, you know, maybe even coming to church. Jesus would say it might look like it's crazy to give up that. Or renovating, you know, some room in your house to, to get a lot of money to give away. That sounds crazy. Um, not watching a football game big football game because of something you're going to do for the kingdom of God. Um, you know, maybe giving up a grad school that's the better grad school of the two choices you get into because in the, in the, in the choice that's not as good a grad school, there's a better church there. Or there's a community there. There's people there that you know that are believers and you want to be where God is working. And so you, you go to the place that's not as good because of the kingdom of God. People make that choice. Maybe it's just moving it at all. Maybe you move there's, there's, a, there's a church in town where a lot of the people move from Durham to go to Winston-Salem just to be a part of the church plant. It's amazing. They, they sold it all. It could be you're, you're, um, someone you're dating that is not good for you and it's really, really hard to give them up. But it doesn't feel like the right thing to do. But the kingdom of God might be giving them up. It might be giving them up to, to be where God is working. But you have to have the eyes to see this stuff. I mean, think about... Where God is working around you. There was a guy that I met with uh, recently and he said, he's not a believer, but he said, I, I, I have this desire to give up control of my life to something bigger than me. Uh, to, to be uh, under the love of something bigger than me. He's so close to the kingdom of God. He wants to be where God is working. And where do you see God working around you? Whether it's in your life or someone around you. Again, this is back to what Sally Lloyd-Jones says. She says, God's kingdom is wherever God is king, wherever he's in charge, wherever your heart fills up with forever happiness, and you stop running away from him, you love him. One example in our life, uh, right now on our street, Sunset Drive, um, it's like there's all these new young couples. It's like buried treasure. Um, They've all moved into these houses on our street in the last six months. It's amazing. All these new young people uh, couples or singles, and it's like there's there's buried treasure there. And we've tried to like bring muffins uh, to people's houses or have them for dinner, or praying on our back porch with other believers for those in our neighborhood who are not believers, but just longing to see God unearth treasure. There's treasure there for the kingdom if you see where God is working, and you want to be a part of that. So, like having a block party. I know that there's a block party now planned for our. Street, or we used to have these things called soup nights, uh, where we would have um, we would always make a pot of soup on a crock pot, and we'd just bring it outside and put down um, a table in the front yard, a fold-out table with a soup on it, and then the neighbors would just come and bring whatever they wanted with their chairs. It could be dogs playing in the in the yards, sidewalk conversations, you know, whatever it is. It could be your workplace, but where do you want to see the kingdom of God, where God is working around you and giving up things for that? It looked crazy. For the kingdom of God. Actually, Matthew himself is a great example of this. I think this, this little parable in verse 52, it's hard to even say it's a parable. It's very short. But in verse 52, it says, um, A scribe in the kingdom is like a homeowner bringing out all his treasures. 
like someone who is very proud of this uh, home that he has. And he wants to show off all of his treasures. And Matthew was a tax collector who was just sitting there in his tax booth. And Jesus came by and said, follow me. And it says that, that leaving everything, all of his wealth, uh, he rose and followed Jesus. And he followed Jesus in order to write the Gospel of Matthew, which is what we're reading right here. I mean, can you imagine Matthew at that point, you know, in like 30 A.D., almost 2,000 years ago? Um, can you imagine him thinking that the things he wrote down would be read on this pulpit today? Uh, the, the treasure of the kingdom of God, that he was like someone who was bringing out treasure, telling these stories. I mean, that's one great thing about the kingdom of God is you get to experience the story. You get to tell the story, maybe even write down the story. But uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a scribe that brings out their treasures. 20 years ago when this church started, um, there was a lot of excitement about welcoming people uh, who didn't go to church often or were burned by the church or skeptic. Uh, maybe someone who was a student that didn't want to go in the morning. People, we even thought about people going to parties. They have even hung over in the morning. But we wanted a, pe- we wanted a group of people who were kind of searching and lonely and aching for more. And it was really tiny. Very, very tiny for a long time. And it's so easy to forget the treasure of that when you get caught up in all the institutional work, which is really important. Very important. We're much more solid, a much stronger institution these days, but it's, it's easy to forget the pearl of great value in verse 46. It's easy to forget the pearl and say, you know, it's tempting to say, I don't know half these people in this room. I want my, I want my old family back where I knew everybody. It's really that, that nostalgia for those of us who've been here for a while, especially. I want to be back in the old times. It was better back then. But he says, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown in the sea to gather fish of every kind. And if the kingdom is like a net, what do you do with a net? You throw it away. You literally throw yourself away to gather in fish, even bad fish. Such a big catch of fish that you have to throw out some of the fish. So, again, I keep commending to you giving up whatever it is uh, for the sake of the kingdom of God. Uh, There's nothing greater the, the Hobbit uh, begins, not ends, I'm not giving away the end of The Hobbit, but it begins with Gandalf, the wizard, calling Bilbo the Hobbit uh, onto a quest for buried treasure. It's another treasure hunt. And Bilbo Baggins, the Hobbit, refuses to go on the treasure hunt because he loves his comfortable life so much. He loves his hobbit hole. He loves his second breakfast. He loves the Shire. And Gandalf at one point kind of gets uh, angry with him. That's, Bilbo just keeps resisting, and Gandalf gets angry. And Gandalf, the wizard, says, When did doilies and your mother's dishes become so important to you? And a doily is like a napkin, like a thing you put a drink holder that's knit and really pretty. When did doilies and your mother's dishes become so important to you, Bilbo? I remember a young hobbit who was always running off in search of elves and woods and stayed out late and came home after dark, who would like nothing more than to find out what was beyond the shire. And I think that's the question for us, is are you willing to be a part of this great adventure, which is the kingdom of God, which is much more important than all the comforts of your hobbit hole and your second breakfast and the shire. Again, the story of the Bible says you might have to look to see it, you might have to give up everything to get it, but coming home to God is as wonderful as finding a treasure. So that's That's the first point, the treasure. Now, the second point is the treasure seeker. And in the second poem, he compares the kingdom of heaven uh, to a merchant in search of fine pearls. 
So now it's shifted a little bit. Now we're talking about a, a merchant who was searching for pearls and he found one of great value. And once again, he sold everything he had to buy the pearl. So now the kingdom is, is like a merchant who's looking for this great treasure. And uh, another, uh, another great movie about a hidden treasure, it's probably my second favorite after Raiders of the Lost Ark, is Blood Diamond, uh, which I think is Leonardo DiCaprio's best acting job. It's, it's an incredible movie set in Sierra Leone about a diamond, about this giant diamond that they find. And this diamond causes a lot of bloodshed. And if you know anything about the diamond wars of Sierra Leone, then you know that uh, there was a time in the history of Sierra Leone, this country in Africa, where they found so many diamonds there that there would be warlords that would fight over these diamonds. And there was a lot of bloodshed. And that's why the movie is called Blood Diamond, because of the diamond wars of Sierra Leone. And uh, there's this thing uh, that is called the Peace Diamond that was found in 2017, March 1st, 2017. And it was this boy who was like 16. Uh, this boy in this little village in Sierra Leone. And he was... He was uh, just mining in the dirt, and he came across a, a three-inch diamond, which is worth $7 million. He, he came across a, a diamond that is 709 carats, $7 million, one of, the, one of the, the 15th largest diamond ever found. This little teenager comes across this diamond, and the beautiful thing about this diamond was a pastor helped uh, this boy to actually get the money from the diamond himself. And for the village. And the village, the, the, the kid went to college. The village was transformed. They got new roads, new schools, electricity, clean water systems. And they called it the Peace Diamond because they were hoping this would be the redemption of all the diamond wars. And now, finally, the people who find the diamonds get to receive the benefit from the diamonds. And one tiny little stone like that, you know, the Peace Diamond, can lead to huge, huge amounts of human flourishing. And this, this diamond or pearl that Jesus is talking about, it leads to the flourishing of the entire world. Not just a village in Sierra Leone, but the entire human race. And the buried treasure is, uh, is the soul of each human being. Uh, this is where the, I love the way that she turns this uh, from us being the searching one to us being the one who is the treasure. So she says, God had a treasure too, a treasure that was lost long, long ago. What was God's treasure? What was his most important thing? The thing that God loved best in the world? God's treasure was his children. So now you realize that the parable is actually about you. And you're not the one searching for the treasure. You're the one being sought by the treasure seeker. And that's when you really feel the weight of what the kingdom of God is. That, that God would leave everything. Would lose everything. Give up everything. The angel would be like, why are you doing that? Why are you going down there? Why are you dying on that cross? What in the world? And God's like, because I want these people because they're my treasure. They're that pearl. I am the pearl merchant. One of the best Christmas carols goes like this. He who was rich beyond all splendor, all for the sake of love, became poor. He sold everything. He exchanged thrones for a manger and sapphire paved cords. For a stable floor. That Jesus is the one who is the pearl merchant. And the way that you know that you're looking at the kingdom of God. And not just like increasing the social capital of a neighborhood. Or you know forming friendships. I mean that's all good too. Uh, creating these friendships between neighbors. The reason that you know it's not just that. It's not just social capital. But it's actually the kingdom of God. Is because you see the, the sacrificial love of the king. 
That's what really distinguishes that from every other form of flourishing, is the sacrificial love of the king for you. Again, the story Bible says, this is why Jesus had come to the world, to find God's treasure and to pay the price to win the treasure back. And Jesus would do it, even if it cost him everything. So just take a moment to think about what it meant that he would leave the courts of heaven, would shed his own blood, uh, would become a servant to everyone, uh, would give his life, would experience total God forsakenness to have you. For the joy set before him, he endured the suffering of the cross, Hebrews says. For the joy set before him. What's the joy set before him? He already had heaven. So what else does he want? It's us. He wants the bride. He wants to bring you in. And that's why we're here. We're here because we are his treasure and he's gathered us together as children. He's not just giving us uh, himself, he's giving us each other. This is, this is the experience right here of the kingdom of heaven, us worshiping him together. And you might feel like a piece of dirt, like a barren field where there's nothing. You might feel like nobody cares, nobody notices. You're just this plot of land that means nothing, that's worth nothing, like this plot of land in you know, remote North Carolina in some field. It means absolutely nothing. And God looks at you and he says, I, there's a treasure underneath the ground. And I value you more than you could possibly know. And you should value yourself the way I value you. And you have no idea uh, the extent to which I value you. So as we take this meal and we think about what it cost him, I, I hope you feel um, the, the worth of, of your soul that God has made for himself forever. Because we tend to devalue that. Remember, we love these rascals.